After 102 days, we have our first cases of COVID-19 outside of a managed isolation or quarantine facility in New Zealand. We actually have four confirmed cases of COVID-19 in one family, acquired from an unknown source. We have a resurgence plan that we are now activating. Uh, the community are hugely disappointed at what's happened. Uh, there's a, a widespread concern given that it's right here in our homes, in our area where we live. We have concern for the family as well involved. Uh, they are victims, so we ask that we be kind and compassionate to them. What the hell? We don't want to go back to stage one. Is that something that like freaks you out? Yeah, or? I feel like real anxious. I know that the virus re-emerging in our community has caused alarm and the unknown is scary. It causes anxiety for many of us. We have been here before. We can get through it if we work together. Anxious, worried, scared. For many of us, particularly in Auckland, that late-night announcement from the Prime Minister was like a stone in the pit of the stomach. Kia ora, I'm Alexia Russell, and today on The Detail, we're hitting the virtual couch of Victoria University clinical psychologist Dr Dougal Sutherland, because you are not alone. Dougal, this, is, this feels like such a hard blow to take. It's not an adventure anymore. Yeah. yeah. How will people be feeling, especially people in Auckland? I think they're likely to feel a, a bunch of emotions, you know, anxiety about their health, um, anger, frustration, disappointment. Um, and I think all those are pretty realistic given the circumstances. I think, you know, particularly going back, I think, brings with it that level of anger and disappointment and frustration because kind of we thought we had this. Um, and so that's probably on top of people's already underlying anxiety around health and how they're going to cope with this. Would you anticipate that more people this time would be, you know, on the brink of tears, wanting to shut themselves in, frustrated, all those exacerbated emotions? Yeah, I I think they could be. um, Although I wouldn't want to make too much of that at the moment because at the moment, of course, we're only in these new levels for three days. And whilst that might change, we we actually don't know. And I would encourage people just to focus on what is known and controllable at the moment. That's easy to get overwhelmed when things feel uncertain and unpredictable. So like second guessing's not productive? No, look, it's not productive and it's natural. So I, I wouldn't say to people, oh my gosh, you know, worry. You should be really worried if you start second guessing or wondering what's going to happen. That's quite a normal thing to do. But also it's not a particularly useful thing to do. And what your brain's probably trying to do there, it's probably trying to get you to be active in coping. And the most active thing you can do in coping is actually focus on the things that are controllable for you, uh, things that you can do over the next three days. What appointments can you cancel? uh, What's going to happen with the kids? And maybe turning your mind to what can happen and what will happen in the longer term. Um, but, but, But... Focusing on the things that you can control, not the things that you can't control. Does it help to do those practical things? Yeah, absolutely. I think doing the practical things gives us a sense of controllability and predictability, and that's what we're looking for when we feel anxious. Um, We feel like things are out of our control and that we can't do anything. So finding things that are in your control, finding things that um, you can do to to, to cope, I think is really useful. And that might be not only that you can things to do for yourself, but for other people. 
because um, we know that generally there's a boost in positive emotions when you do something positive for somebody else. So, you know, actually, what can I do for my neighbour who's older or who can't get out? Or what can I do for my family members who are, who, who are a bit uh, immune compromised? Um, so just, just, you know, just, just thinking not only about yourself but wider as well. And that we know that that actually helps with those connections and, and positive emotions. How do people cope with sort of the difficulty of going back? You know, we, mm. we may have got a little bit smug. We way I thought we were world beaters. And now it seems everything's been ripped apart. Yeah, well, the first thing I would say is let, I think it's really good to be mindful of the way that we think about it and the language that we use about it. If we think about things as being devastating and ripped apart and horrendous and fall backwards, then unsurprisingly, we might feel quite anxious and upset about that. If we think about things and use language and wording like, you know, it's a disappointment, it's frustrating, it's annoying, and we've done it before and we can do it again, I think that's a much more balanced way of thinking about it. So I think it's a real, really pinpoints the importance of being aware of what words you're saying to yourself in your head and the conversations that you're having uh, with other people because we tend to get into a bit of self-fulfilling prophecy really if we say things are devastating and terrible we then feel devastated and terrible and then in turn we keep talking about how terrible and devastating things are. It's a downward spiral kind of thing. Yeah. So pay attention to your thoughts. Pay attention Mm. to what you're saying. Have a pause before you initially react. What about those people, though, who just don't have the energy to do it all again? How are you feeling? Like I have this rock in my stomach that is just dragging me down. I just feel like here we go again and I only just made it through the last lockdown and it's happening again. Does it feel different to last time? Yes, because I know what's going to happen this time and I know how hard it was last time and that somehow makes it worse. Does it make it worse? It makes it worse, yeah. I know what I've got to battle through. Ah, kids at home. Mm. Bugger. Bugger, all right. How do they package themselves up into this little feel-good box? Yeah. Look, I, 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 don't, I, I wouldn't say they have to feel good about it. I, I, I think that often in society we get this message that we should, you know, we should feel chipper and good and, and put a smile on our face. And I'm not saying that. I'm saying being re- realistic about how you're feeling whilst not getting into a downward spiral. And look, do you know what? Maybe if you're in Auckland... Uh, and you're feeling pretty blah and tired and not go, got no energy, give yourself two days off. Just, you know, check out for a couple of days until things are a bit calmer. Um, have a rest. Look after yourself. Recover your energy. Um, you can't go to work, um, or you can't at least physically go to work, and hopefully if your workplace will be pretty understanding about you needing to take some time but but it is important to try and recover that energy reco- you know and just and just spend a bit of downtime just uh, just just pulling yourself together a little bit um, and noticing how you're feeling and and being kind to yourself you know if that means you know staying in bed watching Netflix for the morning stay in bed and watch Netflix for the morning for the next couple of days that's okay and if your boss thinks that's a terrible idea and that the show must go on what do you <laughs> I mean what do you do oh uh, yeah, yeah it's you would hope that most 
people would be empathic um, about that and understanding. Um, look, I think it's perfectly fine, and people should feel free to say, hey, look, I'm just not coping too well at the moment. And, and hopefully your boss is, is able to take that on board. And if not, then then look to get some support in having that conversation with your boss, and whether that's with, you know, if you've got a union, your union rep, or just other people in your team maybe, because um, it's likely that if you're feeling like this, other people will be feeling like this as well. Yeah, well, this morning my th- my son threatened to call Auntie Jacinda if his bosses didn't call off work. <laughs> Can we do that? <laughs> What's the well, equivalent? I'm not sure, that, not sure that we want to inundate the PM with our phone calls about this. She's probably got bigger fish to fry. Um, but, you know, you, 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 again, this is going back to thinking about how we did this. And I think it's really about recovering what we used to do or uncovering what we did in the past, remembering what we did in the past. And actually, I think as a country, we, we, we had this general sense when we were in lockdown last time of, you know, looking out for each other, being compassionate, being kind. And um, and we can lose that in, a, in the midst of panic and, and um, fear. So sometimes it's just about actually going back and, and literally rediscovering what, what, what you did last time. Like, in my work, last night I actually thought, oh my God, I can't remember what we do in Level 2. I had to go back and find the emails that we'd sent out about, this is what you do in Level 2. And I went, ah, that's right, that's what Level 2 is. So you may have to physically remind yourself, like going back and reading information that says, this is what happens in Level 2 or or Level 3, just to give yourself some predictability, some certainty, some sense of I can cope with this. Is it harder when we just don't know what's at the end of these three days, though? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, I think that, that, you know, there are three key ingredients for stress, and those are ambiguity, uncertainty, and unpredictability. And unfortunately, COVID-19 brings all of those. And, and, you know, what's going to happen on Friday? That's uncertainty. That's unpredictable. That's maybe not all that works, but ambiguous at the moment. And it'll be interesting, actually, when we... If there is an announcement made on Friday that says, like, perhaps let's go to level four for some areas, it might actually be that that's, that's a bit of a relief for some people because that does provide a, a level of certainty and reduces the ambiguity um, because level four is pretty clear. You don't leave the house unless you're an essential worker or you're going to the supermarket. So we noticed that when we were talking to people during uh, lockdown that they found a lot of people actually found level four okay to deal with because it was so clear and then levels of uncertainty and stress started to creep in particularly in levels two and three as the rules became a little bit unclearer and a bit more vague and open to interpretation. That's why those in authority are pushing messages like this. There are a range of things that Dr Bloomfield and I wish to run through this morning to ensure that everyone has access to the most up-to-date information as we together as a team work to stamp out COVID-19. Now under Level 3, Aucklanders must work from home unless they are essential workers and they must stay in their bubbles. Tracking and tracing is going to be a priority, so go and get tested, listen to the government announcements and to Jacinda and the, the Director General of Health. The important thing is here, people in Rotorua and indeed around the country uh, should be vigilant about their health and seek advice if they have any symptoms. So plans are in place to protect our communities and if we all do our bit we will get through that.
as much clear information as we can from the government will be really helpful. You know, we're in the midst of an election campaign this time. Mm. Already we're seeing hits on the government and conspiracy theories mm. about why we're doing this. Mm. I mean, extremely unhelpful, obviously, but what what happens if that gets pushed to the ultimate? You know, we're we likely to see people protesting against a second lockdown? Oh, yeah, look, I, I, I would be guessing if, um, about that. I have no particular insight around that. Um, I, I think that one thing perhaps in New Zealand that, that you know, if you, if you compare and contrast this with the US, for example, I think we've been less polarised in our opinions and we tend to have been less polarised as a society around this issue. Um, and I'm sure there are still fringe elements and fringe groups, um, you know, at the extremes. But I think generally we're a bit more um, able to compromise. And, and and I think that reduces the sense of people wanting to protest and seeing that this is all some great conspiracy by the government. I'm sure those, those will still go on. Um, but in general, you know, we have come at it uh, from uh, quite a, a science-based view, which I think is really encouraging. We, you know, we see microbiologists and epidemiologists on our screens and on our radios talking about the science behind this. And, and that's, I think, been a really encouraging thing that New Zealand has done, is just taking that very science, fact-based approach to this whole debate. Do you think that's now become part of our national identity? I mean, especially when you compare it to the way America is sending out its mixed messages. Look, I, I, I think it certainly is in contrast, isn't it, to those other countries. I, I think it's a real benefit of maybe a smaller country that there's some clear, recognised experts that we can all look to and, and talk to. Oh, well, can't perhaps talk to them, but we can all look to them. Um, so there's not that such a huge, diverse range of, 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 of factions and um, differing opinions. Uh, and I think so. I think that does. Um, stand us out from from other countries, yeah. And I guess we can look to Melbourne, um, you know, where there was such a rebelliousness against lockdown that Mm. they're in the position they are in now. A huge police presence has overpowered an anti-mask rally in the city. Dozens of protesters were fined and seven arrested for breaching Stage 4 restrictions. Unmasked and under arrest. New Zealanders, would we learn from that kind of thing or is the fear factor there that does risk the sort of lashing out? Yeah, look, my, my, my take on this whole COVID situation, looking at it right from, you know, the very end of last year and the start of this year right through to now, is that we've benefited from looking and learning and watching other countries. And, and maybe that's because we're a, an island nation and down at the bottom of the world and protected somewhat from from that. But, you know, I can remember talking to colleagues in February and March around, gosh, look at what's happening in Italy. Um, and, and I think because we're able to stand back and observe a little bit um, what goes on in the rest of the world, we can learn from those mistakes and learn from what hasn't gone so well in other countries. You know, I understand that it took um, Melbourne five weeks to get to the point that we're at uh, now in terms of our lockdown after we've just had four new cases. But So we can sort of learn from, actually, we need to act fast um, because other countries haven't and look what's happened to them. So we've got, I think we've got this benefit, and, and that can have a bit of a... Uh, I think that has had an effect of us all taking it seriously and, and being clear about the 
potentially pretty tragic and catastrophic results if we don't take this really seriously. So you have transported yourself in Auckland. You have a client phone you up who's on the verge of tears, can't cope with this. What do you say to that person? I would spend some time empathising with them. I would want to listen to what they're worried about. Um, Because often people just need to be able to pour out what's, you know, just there's that whole... Just catharsis, I guess, of just being able to tell somebody what it's like for you and, and, and get it out. And, you know, a problem shared is, is often a problem halved. Um, I also get them to pay attention to their physiological symptoms of stress at the moment. And that's likely to be, you know, that their changes in breathing, for example. We know when you're really distressed and anxious that you tend to breathe up in your chest rather than in your belly. So I'd be listening to them, empathising with them and encouraging them to, to breathe, um, weirdly enough. It's a very simple thing, but actually it's a really useful thing to be able to calm yourself in the moment. It's just breathing deeply into your belly, into your diaphragm rather than in your chest. And, you know, there's lots of stuff on the internet about it. There's lots of things like box breathing or uh, deep breathing techniques or yogic breathing, and, and that's all has a common element. So I'd be encouraging them just to use those really basic things just to calm themselves down physiologically, um, to listen and empathise, and then once they're calmer and feel heard, then perhaps talk to them about, OK, what can you do to cope in your situation, what's in your control right now? What can you do? Um, you can't control where they find the next case of COVID-19, but you can control your own environment. So, so help them to be actively coping in their situations on things that are within their control. And they can do that while they're spending six hours in a queue waiting to get yeah. tested for COVID. <laughs> yeah, because you've got nothing else to do, right? So <laughs> you, you, might as, well, you might as well use that time fruitfully. Um, why not? Um, and let's face it, it probably won't take six hours. So to spend a little bit of time, um, focused time thinking about that stuff and then do something just to relax, you know, go back to binging your Netflix series because that's cool, that gives you time out and you don't want to spend all your time thinking about COVID-19. Make sure that you were doing other things to occupy your, yourself and your mind. That's it for today. I'm Alexia Russell. The detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz and made possible by RNZ and NZ On Air. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. And if you're using Apple, leave us a nice rating so that we can boost our own mental health. Today's episode was engineered by Jeremy Ansell, produced by Emil Donovan, and thanks to Dr Dougal Sutherland. Stay safe, be kind. Mm-hmm.